Hello and welcome to the Southampton audio programme for the game against West Bromwich Albion. In today's issue, we have a word from your manager, a look at the Southampton women's team, and as usual, your feature interview. Dear Saints fans, welcome back to St Mary's as we host West Bromwich Albion in another really exciting game in the Skybet Championship. We extend a warm welcome to Carlos Corberan, his coaching staff and players, and to the travelling fans. Carlos is a very good coach who did an excellent job with Huddersfield and it's no surprise to see him doing good things again with West Brom, who are looking a really strong side this season. This is our last game ahead of another international break and a chance for us to extend the really pleasing run of form we've been on lately, which currently stands at 7 unbeaten. Seeing the growth in this team has filled me with pride. We found ourselves in a tricky period in September, but I think what you'll see now is a really good and improved understanding from the players of what we're trying to do and a greater togetherness and spirit in the group. This has been strengthened by late goals that have become a habit for us in recent weeks, especially away from home. Those moments are invaluable in building a connection between the players and supporters and a never-say-die spirit in the team. We saw this again last weekend at Millwall, which is never an easy place to go and win. They make the game hard for you with the aggression they bring and the threat they possess from set pieces, backed by a hostile home crowd. But I felt that we rode it out quite well at the start of the game and built our way into it. We quickly assumed a good level of control and by the second half we were completely dominant. We played with great energy and intensity, relentlessly in our approach and we got our rewards with another stoppage time winner from Ryan Fraser, which is exactly what happened in the game at Hull two weeks before. That just goes to show the importance of the squad, because so often it can be the players who start on the bench that win you the game. The clean sheet was important too, and we should have had another one the last time we were here at St Mary's against Birmingham. I thought that was an outstanding performance, especially given the travelling that we'd done that week after the long trips to Hull and Preston. Again, the squad depth and the physical fitness of the players, managed by Riso in the sports science and medical departments, was absolutely key for us to navigate that gruelling schedule. You simply can't succeed in the championship without it, given the sheer volume and competitiveness of the games. Having the whole group working hard for each other and pushing each other in the same direction along with the connection with the fans is the most important weapon we will have. We will need all of that to help us today against another team in a good run of form who will come here and make it really tough for us. It's important we stick to our way of playing and you believe in it too, right to the very end. We march on. It is now time for your Southampton Women's Update. Southampton women headed back to St Mary's after the international break, looking to improve on their performance at London City Lionesses, as Saints hosted Sheffield United. It was nearly a perfect start, as birthday girl Katie Wilkinson just had down a Gemma Perfield cross into the path of Molly Pike, but the Blades did well to mop up the danger. It didn't take much longer for Saints to make the pressure pay off. Millie Mott poached the ball in the midfield and sent a pinpoint ball across the box to the back post, both Wilkinson and Sophia Farrow were lurking, but it was the latter who rose up to head across the keeper and into the net. Despite the dominance, Sheffield United were able to net one of their rare forays into the Saints' half. Jodie Hutton providing an impressive curling finish in the 18th minute from distance, as the red and white shirts failed to play out from the back. Marianne Spacek's side didn't give the Blades a minute to breathe, however, and were once again moving the ball nicely. Lucia Kendall played the ball perfectly into the midfield and cut out the defence to unleash Wilkinson down the left-hand side. The former Sheffield United player had time and space to let a cross-come shot fly and the crowd held their breath as the ball sailed over Franz Stenson and into the top corner, giving Saints the lead once again in the 21st minute. After such a busy period, the first half action petered out. 
Saints were still controlling possession, but couldn't create a meaningful enough opportunity to extend their lead. Sheffield United came out the blocks faster for the two sides in the second half, and Saints temporarily seemed to lose the composure on the ball that had seen them dominate in the first half. The Blades fashioned an opportunity with their own composure, and Kayla Rendell was forced into a double save from their corner kick to retain the lead. In the 70th minute, Pike went close. Wilkinson did the work to get herself in space, wide right, punching a ball over the two recovering defenders. Pike had a lot to do, and despite bringing the ball down and sliding in, she couldn't get a shot away. Rendell was called into action at the other end, less than a minute later, making the save of the game from close range, denying what looked like a near certain goal from Sigsworth. A professional performance for Saints saw them keep possession in the dying stages and put an important freeze points on the table with the 2-1 victory. The fastest player in the championship? How about the world? Kamaladeen Sunamana has the numbers to back it up, as the electrifying winger tells the story of how he was blessed with the gift of speed and how he's learning to use it to the Saints' advantage in the race to the Premier League. Not only in the Championship, I think I am one of the fastest players in the world. The stats back it up too. Kamaladeen Sulemana, then of Rennes in France, was officially the quickest player at last year's World Cup, clocking in at 357 kilometers per hour, which converts to about 22 miles an hour. For context, Usain Bolt, the fastest man of all time, registered top speed of 43.99 kilometers an hour, which is 27 miles per hour, at his peak. The Ghanaian topped the pace charts in Qatar ahead of fellow roadrunners Kylian Mbappe and Alfonso Davies, while Kamala Dean also considers Carl Walker and Dharma Traore contenders for the crown of sports sharpest speeders. I would not say I'm the fastest, but I think I will make the list. There are so many fast players, but I count myself as one of the fast players in the world of football. I don't think anybody would beat me in the championship, he adds with a grin. Kamala Dean is outwardly confident in the way he plays, the way he speaks and the way he dresses, but none of what he says is unreasonable and he's humble enough to recognise he's far from the finished article as a player. His electrifying turn of pace, he says, is just God's gift. I think it's genes, he shrugs. When I run, I feel like I don't put much energy in it. I just run. That's just the gene. I only knew I was fast when I got to the age of 16. At the age of 11, 12, I always played with guys who were older than me, so they had more pace, but they could still bully me. But when I was 15, 16, even though I played with the older ones, I could still run past them. That's when I knew I was fast. In an interview on The Overlap, Gary Neville's YouTube channel, the recent retired Theo Walcott identified Kamala Dean as his quickest ever teammate. It's high praise coming from a man who spent 17 years in the Premier League and a decade in the England setup. I've read the article. He smiles. Coming from Theo Walcott, I have so much respect for him and I know he's played at the very top. He's played with very good players and very fast players, so I'm very honoured. I'm grateful he says that, but pace is just pace. If I'm not using it, it's nothing. That last observation is one Walcott also highlighted. Whilst Kamaladeen's blistering acceleration has always been there, it's become a much more potent weapon this season. It helps me create some more if there is space, he explains. If there is no space, I need to use my 1v1 skills in dribbles, but if there is, I just pop it in and I run it past them. But whilst the space was also there in the Premier League, behind defences who pushed up higher than many of Saints' championship opponents, Kamaladeen was receiving the ball less often with less precision. 
Whilst previously he was chasing a lot in the channels, too often lost causes, now he receives the ball to feet, closer to the opposition goal. Often, Saints pull teams to the right side of the pitch, then work the ball quickly back to the left to isolate Kamaladeen against his fullback. From there, more often than not, he'll reach the bar line and find a cross. I think I should be having about 10 assists by now, I think, but I would get more assists if the boys catch up and come into the box. More goals this season if they catch up, he laughs. A prime example of this pattern of play was Saints' second goal against Birmingham in the team's last home game, providing an easy tap-in for Carlos Alcaraz in his first championship goal. Camladine, for all his endeavour and creativity, is still awaiting his own. It should be on its way, I hopefully soon. It's taking too long right now, he admits. When it does come, the winger stops short of promising the acrobatics that created his brace against Liverpool on the final day of the season, but whilst he insists he has no background in sprinting, he was once a keen gymnast. I'm not sure about the backflip. If it's spectacular goal, maybe, he smiles. In my local football club, there was a year when I was about 10 that I left the team because, you know, when you are kids, whatever comes in town that's new, he picks up the story. We were all playing football and then there was a coach that was wanting to do gymnastics and that caught everybody's attention. And I always wanted to be part of the fun things, so I joined and I became very good at it. I became one of the captains of the team for the gymnasts and then we had to perform when we were celebrating our independence. I had to perform in front of the MPs and everything. It was a few months career but it was good. I was having fun but I turned back to football. I will be a better footballer than gymnast I think. Ten years later he was in the Premier League. When asked to describe his first few months as a saint right at the top of the interview Kamaladeen puts out his cheeks and considers his words carefully. I would say uh, lately it's been very good. The feeling has been very good, he says. When I came in, we were struggling, so feeling from the time to now, there's a big difference between it. It's been up and down, but right now we are up, so my feeling is positive. From the challenging moving to a new country on a transfer deadline day, to precarious position Saints were in and having played under three managers already, Kamala Dean had to adopt to miss a constant stream of change. What do you say about good players? You can play any sort of football as long as you're on the pitch. He reasons, refusing to get drawn into excuses. When I first came, Nathan Jones was here and I didn't get to play that much under him. I played two games and in both games I had fun. Then Ruben Sellers took over and I also had fun during Ruben's time. They all have different styles of play, but in those styles of play I could still have fun. I wish the two goals I scored against Liverpool came earlier when we were still in the competition, he reflects. It came at the very end, but I'm still happy I scored the two goals. I think I've always had the confidence, but regardless of how much confidence you have, if you are in such a difficult situation, sometimes you become sadder. I think that game boosted a little bit of my confidence, but it would have helped more if it had come earlier. The 21-year-old appears instantly more at ease when talking about his time under current boss, Russell Martin. With the new manager right now, I'm loving it. It suits my style better, which makes me have more fun than usual, so I'm happy, he says, explaining why it's a comfier fit. I think he encourages his players to take risks, to have courage, to be brave on the ball. He wants to have the majority of the ball during the whole game, create chances, score goals. He wants us to win games. What he wants is to do it suits me. It's what I like to do. and That's the kind of profile I have, so I think it's a match. In return, Martin refers to his slippery number 20 as an outstanding talent, a really brilliant guy, great energy, and he works really hard. 
If he can start adding goals to the game, the world's his oyster. Away from the pitch, Kamaladeen is a keen football watcher and driven to improve. I watch almost every game, he reveals. When I play football, I enjoy it, but when I watch it, I enjoy it too, because that's where I can learn from my fellow players and people I look up to. A close friend of West Ham summer signing Mohamed Kudus, his Ghana teammate, Kamaladeen is a frequent visitor to London and says the pair compare notes on the English game. Also tight with his family, he's in regular contact with his mum and brothers back home and spends time working on his clothing range away from Staplewood. Hopefully in a year or two I will be a big brad, he says, excitedly telling how he gifted Sekumara some jackets and tracksuits for his birthday in the summer. It's my passion because I like to dress well, dress different as well, so I think the fashion is my thing. I always like to stand out. I like to be the highlights. While simply watching Kamaladeen gliding down the wing is already a highlight for many, hoping Saints win the promotion race would undoubtedly be the crowning glory. And now finally, the local lowdown. We asked opposition expert Joseph Chapman, West Bromwich Albion writer for Birmingham Live, to preview today's game from the visitors' point of view. West Brom have always tended to be challenges for promotion any time they've slipped out of the top flight over the past 20 years. Why have the last two seasons, since relegation in 2021, been less productive? A series of poor decisions, really, which stem from the ownership and have filtered down. The squad had precious little investment in it, although they've made a number of strong free agent signings which have kept them competitive. There have been two managerial appointments in that time, made by individuals no longer in the chief executive role, which simply haven't worked out and have set the club back, meaning they've been in the championship for a third straight year. It's the longest period they've spent at this level in 20 years, and now without parachute payments, the challenge is much greater. How do you assess the impact of head coach Carlos Corbran in his first year in the job? In a word, brilliant. I don't think, in my humble opinion, a manager at this level has quite made a similar impact in the 12 months he's been at the club, especially when you consider the lack of money to spend on moulding the squad entirely to his liking. He's worked with the resources available, transformed the performance levels of previously underperforming players, brought players back in from the cold and continued to squeeze the pips out of this group, who were in the bottom three when he arrived a year ago. Carlos's attention to detail is second to none and the supporters are loving his work currently. The Baggies arrive at St Mary's on the back of three straight victories. What's clicked in recent weeks? It's slowly come together after beginning to the season, which was best described as inconsistent. After losing captain Dara O'Shea, they've had to work on a new look defence and have finally found something that works with the personnel at Corbran's disposal. They now more often than not play a 3-4-3, but are very flexible and have demonstrated that in recent weeks. They don't concede goals. They've kept seven clean sheets in their last ten, and currently has six or seven performing players at their highest individual levels during their time at the club. They seem to have maintained a decent level of competition for places, considering they have a host of key players missing through injury. Which players are the key figures in this team? John Swift is the club's top goal scorer, but they've been running lately without him. He was in tremendous form prior to his injury before the last international break, but others have picked up the goal scoring responsibility in his absence. The same goes for Josh Maggio and Jeremy Sarmiento, some are signings who have had a stuttering start because of injuries. At the moment, Alex Mowen and Cedric Kipre have been revelations. Matt Phillips is playing his best football for a sustained period since he joined the club. Pretty much exactly the same can be said for Grady Dean Garner. How will Albion approach today's game and how do you see it playing out? It's an intriguing fixture on paper. Southampton were the side I thought might go closest at the top before a ball was kicked, but Leicester have set some pace 
Saints seem to have settled down now. They played some really nice stuff, typical of Russell Martin. But that may even suit Albion, who are still looking to find their very best away form over a sustained period of time. I can see it being a score draw.